a lot of good ones. And I would encourage you, many of us singing that song, we might be able to say and sing sweet minute of prayer, five minutes of prayer. And I know it's not something, not overnight do you pray for hours on hours. But if you could, I tell you, and not, I'm not trying to sound spiritual for you, because those of you that know me, I'm not as spiritual as this will sound. There's something powerful about spending hours in prayer with the Lord. There's been times, and I've done it here. Ryan and I spent, we've spent a few nights in prayer here. Other churches I've been a part of, we spent nights in prayer, five, six hours all through the night. And you say, how could you pray for five or six hours? When we're done, how could you not? It was one of the best, best times I've ever had. We need to do one of those before too long. And I'll do it, and you say, well, you got to do it on a time when I don't. We'll do, how about we'll, we'll do it on a Saturday night, and then I'll go into preaching and hibernate in the afternoon or something. We'll figure it out. We're going to take our Bibles to Acts chapter number 5 tonight. Acts chapter number 5. We've been in Acts now for a while. And as we started to study and look at a couple weeks ago, we saw the fact in chapter number 5, the Lord is using the church. The church is doing great things. They're helping reach people. People are being saved. And what does the devil try to do? He tries to bring some persecution on the outside. Hey, if you guys keep preaching in that name, you're, you don't want to do that. They threaten them. They put them in jail for the night. And eventually they let them go and say, quit preaching in that name. They go back to the church and they tell the church. And at the church there, they end up praying and seeking God's face, asking the Lord for boldness as they preach the word of God. And what we see happen is, the persecution and the threats didn't stop the work of God. And I want you to know something. When the devil can't attack a church on the outside coming in, he will do something. He will try to work on the inside to mess things up. We saw Ananias and Sapphira, and we see the fact that they both died for lying to the Holy Spirit. And they said that they were going to give something that they didn't end up giving. And so we look at verse number 11. That's where we ended a couple weeks ago. And it says, chapter 5, verse number 11, it says, And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Verse number 12, we're going to read verse 12 through 21 tonight. And by the hand of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, being sick folks, and they which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. We see one group filled with the Spirit of God, and we see one group filled with indignation. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with them, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. They were already 
there? You see, Satan's going to try his best in the early church, as we see here. He wanted them to stop, and they didn't. We see there was some tough times inside when you have two of your own members die because they lie to the Holy Ghost. It changed things. But we see that the work of God continued. And I want to talk about tonight, and I want to preach on this thought, the work continues. The work continued. We saw how this church, there was this, it was like a cycle that would take place. This circle. Prayer, power, preaching, and then persecution. Power, well, prayer, power, preaching, persecution. It was a constant circle. It's the way it worked. And when we think on these things, what happened? They would return to prayer. So think about this. They were told not to preach anymore. What did they do? They got with the church and they prayed. The power was there. They preached. And then we see what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. That was a form of persecution in its own way. We see they pray. We see it keeps happening. God's work continues. But may I just remind you something? What we saw was the Holy Spirit of God was quenched by Ananias and Sapphira. And when we think about that and we really think deep on this, God didn't want that to happen. If God's going to work, we have to let the Holy Spirit do his thing. We don't need to lie to the Holy Spirit. He knows already, right? Like Ananias and Sapphira, really? You think you're going to lie to the Holy Spirit? But what we see with the early church, this got their attention. The Bible says that they had great fear. They were, and didn't we talk about this morning, one of the things that we need today in the church? Today in 2022, we need to honor all men. Are we still on the same planet? That was this morning. That was just a few hours ago. I hope you didn't forget all that. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. They needed a good dose of a reverence for God. Because it doesn't matter who you are and where you are, we get accustomed to what we're used to, right? Just like this morning, several people walked in the auditorium. Pastor, it's so cold in here. It's so cold. So I turned up the air two degrees for them because I had multiple people tell me that. And then by the end of that same service, the ones who told me they were cold are sitting back there with their, with their paper, their handout, waving it in front of their face in that first service. See, you can get accustomed to it. Living, I never got accustomed to the cold when I lived in Chicago. But it's all relative. I came back to California from Chicago and Montana, and I said, I'm never going to buy a coat again, because I'm never going to need it. Because when it got to be 40 degrees in Montana or in, or in Chicago, I wore my shorts outside and a t-shirt. Because literally, it was that cold the rest of the year. But now it gets to be about 55 degrees, and I'm like, oh, I'm cold now. You get used to what you're in. They got used to the Spirit of God. They got used to God working. And I believe, though I believe Satan didn't want it to be for good, I believe what took place actually helped the church in the long run. Because we can never get so familiar with God that we don't reverence him for who he is. We never should get, you say, but he's my heavenly, he is our heavenly father. And he loves you tonight. But he is the living God. He spoke the very world into existence. 
there should be a reverence for God like no one else. But we grow too accustomed to him. The way that we talk to him in prayer. We don't talk to him as if he's the king of kings and lord of lords. We talk to him as if he's that genie in the lamp. I need you to do this. Not who he truly is. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 9, verse number 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You see, their perception of God was changed when they saw what took place with Ananias and Sapphira. And so as we dive in tonight, we look at these things. I want us to see, number one, as we dive into the message tonight, the power of the Spirit returns. Now, it, was, it wasn't there for a little. That they, had, they had a lot of things going on in that church. We look at verse number 12, and the Bible says of the chapter where we're at, and my Bible is on the other page, and by the hand of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And we see, well, what took place here? We see letter A, the fact that miracles, we see the miracles the apostles performed. There are many miracles that took place. And as we think about the miracles that take place, Think about the fact the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.22, For the Jews they require a sign, but, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And you've got to understand, the Jews needed to see signs. That was part of it. And that's why we don't need a sign today. We have the Word of God. The Word of God is complete for us today. And the apostles had been given gifts, and the Bible says that they healed every one of those people here. And we talk about this at the apostolic gifts. We don't have those gifts today. I can't walk down the street and heal everyone going down the street. Now, I know there are people who claim to be faith healers out there, but if they really were, they should go to every hospital and every children's hospital around and heal all of them. We don't have faith healers today. But we see the fact that the miracles that they performed, it was meant so that they could see these things and we, so that they could see that this is real. This is not something made up. And we see a lot of Jews turning to Christ. You see again here, and many believe, men and women, in, at this time. And we see the fact, we see that the gifts were there. We also see letter B. Letter B, we see the church was in one accord. Do you ever notice how the Lord, how the Spirit of God and a church filled with the power of God, how they're always in one accord? The unity that is there. And the same unity that marked the disciples waiting in the upper room in one accord, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, is the same power and the same spirit that was there at this time. And may I just help you out and remind you for ourselves tonight, you got to understand, when a church is divided, you cannot expect God to work in a church where it's divided. The Spirit of God can't work. We talked about it in the past. We talked about it a few weeks ago on Sunday morning. Remember, we're supposed to put a lot of things away, right? relational issues that we have and then we need to have, crave and seek God's word. You can't be craving the word of God and be craving sin at the same time. It doesn't work that way. You're going to crave one or the other. In the same way, you cannot have a church that's in one accord and the spirit of God working if you're a church divided. You never see a divided church doing anything for God. And may I just remind you, Satan would love for the church to be divided. That's why Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for, toward another. 
There's going to be differences of opinions. There's going to be things that come up. But may I just remind you tonight that a sign of a spirit-filled church is a church that is unified together and of one accord. May I remind you tonight, we have lots of different opinions in this room. We have lots of different ideas in this room. But we have a mission in this church. It's on the wall. You can see it every time you come in. Our mission is to exalt our Savior, to edify the saints, and to evangelize the sinner. That is our mission. And we should all, as part of this church, be unified on that to get the job done that God's called us to do. But I, I just don't, someone hurt my feelings. I get that, and I know your feelings matter, but it takes away from the mission. And if Satan can get your eyes off the mission, he's doing a good job at succeeding. So get along. And if you're one of those that hurts everyone else's feelings, stop hurting their feelings. Be nice. That's all I'll say about that. Let's go on. We see letter C. We see the power return. We see the believers were added to the church. Now, something that's very interesting as we look back at, look at with me at verse number um, 13. It says, and of the rest, there's no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. And what did they do when they came to the Lord? They went and brought others to Jesus. That's the way it's supposed to work. May I just put a little plug in here before we go a little deeper? Your job as a Christian is not to sit on your blessed assurance and do nothing with it. Your job is to take what someone gave to you from the Word of God and take that and share that with someone else and give that to them and get them to grow in the Lord. That's our job. And we see that's what these early believers did. They got saved, and what they do? They went out and got someone else and said, hey, you need to know about this guy, Jesus. He's amazing. He's awesome. He's changed my life. That's what we need today. We need the people of God. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? I hope it was just this last week, maybe even yesterday, maybe even today. When's the last time you told someone about Jesus? We see that believers were added to the church. As we continue looking here tonight, we see that the church, the power returns, and the power is moving in the church. And may I just say something before we go further? The power after Jesus Christ died on the cross, the power never leaves. But us being in tune to that power depends on what we do. It's just like you look in this room, this keyboard over here, there's power here. There's power. But this plug doesn't have to be plugged in. And there are a lot of powerless Christians because they're not plugged into the Spirit. And the problem is in the early church, when you had this Ananias and Sapphira thing take place, they weren't plugged into the power source. It got things a little messy for a little bit of time. But what do we see? We see they got back to it. And the power source is always there. So may I just remind you, I say the power returns, but in all reality, the power never leaves. The power is always there. It comes down to if we're connected to that power or not. Let's continue on tonight. We see that after the power returns, we see number two, that the persecution also returns. And when we look at this, what do we see happen? We look down at verse number 17, and we see the Bible says, Then the high priest, now we all know the high priest, right? What a great fellow, right? Isn't he just one of those great guys? No. He hated Jesus. He destroyed Jesus, he thought. 
wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And we look here and it says that when the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, Sadducees they were filled with indignation. They despised what was taking place. We see as the persecution arises, we see letter A, the fact that the high priest was upset. Now, isn't it, now we, we look at this and we think about this. Why should the high priest have been upset when people are turning to Jesus? Isn't that what it's all about? That is what it's all about. But just because you call yourself religious and you call yourself a priest doesn't mean you got everything figured out and got it all right. They didn't have it all right. Not at all. And this guy was all, he was power hungry for himself. He was trying to build a name for himself, not a name for Jesus. And as we look at this and we think about these things, and you'll notice, look what it says there. Then the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. Do you know if you look up that word sect right there, it can be translated as heresy? That word literally means heresy. It's a little thought there for you. They hated Jesus. This was the opposition. And think about this. The religious people were the ones who caused the greatest persecution. And as we look at this, we see not only was the high priest upset, and as I said, you're either filled with the Spirit or you're filled with something else. That man was not filled with the Spirit. He was filled with something else. But we see after that, we see letter B, that they imprisoned the apostles. Here we go again. They were placed in the common prison for preaching the gospel. And I mentioned it this morning. We talked about in the message this morning that when it comes down to obeying men or God, when it comes to the things of God, we obey God. But there are consequences at times for doing what God would have us do. And the apostles knew here it didn't matter what the high priest said, what this group of the sad, what they said to them, they were going to preach and teach Jesus Christ. And they are willing to suffer whatever they needed to, to follow the Lord. I had someone ask me this afternoon, they're like, so after your message, they said, it was a good message, I had a question though. So what about when the government mandates you to take a vaccine? Do you do that, yes or no? And I gave some personal thoughts on that, and I'm just going to throw these out for you. All that this does, and if you study the Bible very much, when you see that they could possibly make a vaccine mandatory and make you have a passport to go in places and do all these things, it shows how easy the mark of the beast will be to put in place. People disappear. There's fear. We have to band together. And if you have this mark, you'll be able to go shopping, you'll be able to do all these things. We'll be together on this. And they'll just do it, or on wherever it's going to be. Say, what's it going to be? I don't know. Maybe you already have it in your wallet, that little chip on your credit card. Who knows? Maybe it's a barcode. Barcodes have a six in the beginning, six in the middle, and six at the end. Maybe they're going to print it right across your head. I don't know. I will tell you this. I believe when it comes down, the government doesn't have a right to tell you what you can do with your body. That's between you and God. And there are people that think that vaccines are good. Wonderful. You do as the Lord leads you to do. There are other people that think that vaccines are straight of the devil. And literally, if they take it, they might, you know, the devil might come out of it. I don't know. And if wherever you stand, you could be on either side of that. But I don't believe it's government's job to tell you what to do with that in that area. 
That's a God and you decision. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So pray and ask him for wisdom on what you do in those areas. Be well informed. Study things out. Just because one doctor somewhere says this is great, there are other doctors that say this is bad. And which doctor? I don't know. And you can all be your own doctor by just going online and looking at, you know, WebMD. And then you can, I see, let me just help you out tonight. I know some of you, you go on, you know, you have, I got a bump right here. And I looked on WebMD and it could be 5,000 different things. I might have a parasite that's eating, sucking out my brains right now as I'm just, you don't know those things. So don't jump to conclusions. You know, when my mom was younger and her first set of kids, you know, because they had a 15-year gap, my grandma, I, t I was told my grandma took, there was a book that my mom had from Dr. Spock, and she threw that book in the garbage and told my mom to leave it alone. But now we have the WebMD that does the same thing. And so, I don't even know how I got off on all that there. I got off on that somehow. But they asked me about, I, I don't believe government should be telling us what to do when it comes to those things. But may I just remind you of something? The whole reason people got out of England and Britain and all that area and wanted to go, they wanted religious freedom to worship God. That's why they left. That was their big complaint. They wanted to worship God like the Bible says and not have the government tell them how to worship God. That is a valid reason for why we broke from Great Britain. It's a biblical reason for it. Was everyone's motives pure? No. Because none of, not all of our motives are pure on everything. But we look and we, let's get back to the message so we can get done tonight. We see that the high priest was upset, but we see that the apostles, they were in prison. They were placed there. And we are privileged today with the freedoms that we have. In all reality, let's be honest, I know COVID threw out some different things on us, but really, the, Canada had it worse than here. In Canada, for going to church and pastoring, you could go to jail, put some in jail. That didn't happen here. I know they had some threats, but we got some, some, some churches got some slaps on the wrist and got some fines. And most of those fines through courts have been taken away now. But this stuff's real in other places of the world, and it could come again here. Are you going to stand and do what's right when the persecution comes? Hey, you in California are no longer allowed to preach in the name of Jesus. What are you going to do? Get loud. I thought, get loud or go find a state that will allow me to preach Jesus and I'll go get to those people. What good am I going to do sitting in a jail cell, right? I'll go find people who want to hear about Jesus. Or I'll do it here, whatever the Lord wants. But we see the work continues. We see the persecution comes back. I think about what the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4, verse 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, insomuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now what we see is, we see the church continues... And we see the persecution returns. But number three and lastly, we see that God delivers them and commissions them. God delivers them. Now, let me help you out with something. God's not always going to unlock the prison door for you. It doesn't always happen that way. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's attitude. My God, he's able. But even if he doesn't, we're still not doing it. 
And maybe he doesn't deliver us from that fiery furnace, but he'll deliver us to be with him. One way or the other, we are delivered, right? But we see here that God, he delivers them out of prison, and then he tells them what they need to do. So as we look at this, we see some things. Look there with me in verse number 19. It says, But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest, so the high priest was probably still sleeping. He's one of those sleepers. See, godly people get up early. I don't know if that's true. I would rather sleep in and go to bed late. But anyways, leave that one there. It says, but the high priest came, and they that were with him and called the council together and all the son of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. They didn't even know if they were already in their teaching. They had no clue. And what we see in this passage is we see that God steps in, he releases them. And may I just tell you something tonight? There is nothing that can stop the gospel from going forward. You cannot stop God and what he wants to happen. God's mission, God had a goal for this church, and the high priest tried to stop that. It didn't work. The Lord opened the door. The angel of the Lord opened the door, sent them out, and said, Now you go and do these things. And what I think is awesome is they were in prison. And then the angel of the Lord tells them, Go back to the temple. The high priest is at the temple. His goons are there at the temple. That's not the place I want to go. But God says, go to the temple. And they obeyed. As we look at this, we see, and it's interesting to me, the Sadducees were a group of people that didn't believe in miracles. But once again, how did those guys get out of jail? The Lord working. As we think on this, the Lord commissioned them with three things. Number one, he told them to go. Go. Look right there in our text. And the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go. May I just remind you tonight that the message from God and his commission hasn't changed? Because Jesus said the same thing before they ever went to prison. And the command is still there for us today. Go. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We see God calls them, hey, go. Hey, Christian, may I remind you tonight, we are to go. We are commissioned from God to go. When's the last time you went? When's the last time? Oh, pastor, that commission was for the apostles. That was for those early Christians. Are the apostles here today? Are they here? Anybody see Peter lately? Or Paul? They're not here. Is the church still here 2,000 years later? Yeah, it is still here. So then who are the ones who are supposed to go? The dead people can't do it. The Christians are supposed to do it. So we need to go. We see their commission to go. Letter B, we see they were told to stand, to take their stand for Jesus Christ. Go, stand, and speak. We see stand and how important it is. And may I just remind you, we need to stand today. 
The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse 13 through 16, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And we see the Lord tells them, the angel of the Lord tells them, you need to go and stand. Hey, Christian, how are you doing on that standing? Do you stand for the truth? Do you stand for what's right? Do you stand for Jesus? Man, when your co-worker takes Jesus' name in vain, do you say anything? Or do you cower behind it? I say it all the time. I'm out in public and I hear someone say something about Jesus. This is my phrase. That's my best friend. That's what I say. Let them realize you don't like it when they take God's name in vain. There have been many places that I worked through the years. It's been a long time since I had a secular job, but came very quick. They didn't use those words with me anymore. I took my stand for Jesus. You need to take a stand for Jesus today. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. We need to go. We need to stand. And then you got to speak. Literally what he tells them. Go, stand, and speak. Go, stand, and speak. What are we supposed to speak? All the words of life. We're supposed to speak Jesus. Our governor is doing a great job of speaking. And if you think I was being serious right there, I'm not. But where are the Christians that are standing up and speaking? Hey, don't take my Bible and, and do that with it. Don't take God's word and make your sin okay. Where are the Christians that are standing up and speaking? We live in a society where everyone else is very vocal about everything they want to be vocal about. But to be a Christian today and to say, no, my Bible says that's not right. So let me ask you a question. They say that we are intolerant of them, right? But are they tolerant of us? No. And they want to abolish all of it. So just stand up and speak the truth in love. And let them know that the Bible's right. We get so scared. If only we could have had what these apostles had. Oh, wait, we do. He's already there. He's already in you. You say, how in the world could they boldly go speak in the temple? It's called the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Spirit's available to every believer. And he will give you boldness when you're filled with his Spirit. We need boldness. We need to stand. We need to go. We need to stand. We need to speak.